Welcome to My Journey, the podcast for individuals who are seeking to write their own stories while creating a more healthy life along the way. My name is Brian Pickowitz. This is My Journey. And now it's time to start yours. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to My Journey. I am your host, Brian Pickowitz, and I want to welcome you all to episode number 33 of our podcast. So on today's episode, I'm super pumped and very excited to share with you Justin Murphy of iCoach Nutrition. And Justin is someone who I got networked with just a couple weeks ago here in Dallas. And he is someone who I actually have a lot in common with, and I was really excited about this podcast and what it would bring because as a nutrition coach, Justin really leads with an empathetic mindset. His slogan for iCoach is empathetic problem solvers. And the goal of his coaching and his nutrition and lifestyle coaching with the company that he started, iCoach Nutrition, is to really help people find a lifestyle change where they're at to not only get results, but to change their identity to keep the results long term. And so this was a really great opportunity to dive into so many different aspects of personal identity. Just as someone who doesn't really hold back, or I wouldn't say doesn't really, he doesn't hold back at all on some of the challenges and lessons that he's learned across his journey, not just through fitness and wellness, but through life. When Justin was 18, he had a tuition scholarship to play college football, and he ended up losing it all because of a run-in with the police where he found himself in jail. And he goes into that conversation pretty in-depthly here on this podcast, and it's a really good insight as to how sometimes certain decisions will allow us to see that ownership is the only way out of the predicament we're in. And then with that, we also dove into a lot of the different aspects of habit change and how to really create the lifestyle that you want to live, whether that's losing weight, getting healthier, whatever your goals are, whatever it is that really ignites a fire within you, creating that identity shift around that outcome is one of the most fundamental things you can do in order to set yourself up long term. Because it's not just about a diet, it's not just about a workout, it's not just about a weight loss pill or whatever. It's about really identifying where you want to be and creating a new you around that. And so Justin has a tremendous amount of experience, not just in reshaping his life from that moment, coming from being a drug dealer to getting in jail to changing his life with fitness. And I think the really cool perspective is seeing how he went from being a regional CrossFit athlete, just dominating, to focusing more on his business and helping people and how each level of his life has allowed him to align with that purpose that is true to him in its own way. And so check out Justin at Coach Justin Murphy on Instagram. You can also follow him on his website at iCoachNutrition.com. And you can follow him on Facebook at Justin Murphy. He also has an awesome podcast called The Identity Project, which you can check out on iTunes as well. And so lastly, thank you all for the engagement on these last few weeks of the podcast. I feel like we're getting great momentum. Really love the excitement that we have here. One of the things that I've seen is... You know, with Erica's podcast, it was a really great dive into identity change, which really seems to be the theme right now when we talk about revitalizing our habits. And so if you didn't listen to that podcast, make sure you check it out. But if you have ever thought of diving into meditation, or if you're curious about how to meditate, maybe you've wanted to and you're just not sure exactly what it is, or if you want to learn how to relieve some anxiety, check out last week's meditation podcast. I dove into one of the best practices that has fundamentally changed my life and helped me get rid of anxiety, but also helped me 
reduce my overall stress and create a compelling vision of where I wanted to be in my life. So check that out. It's the last episode. I think you'll really enjoy it. And if you guys love these podcasts, make sure you shout us out on iTunes and leave us a review. Just click down on the iTunes button. You can leave us a five-star review and let us know what you love about this podcast so we can keep pumping out great content to provide you with the necessary pieces to become your best in your journey to fitness, health and lifestyle that empowers you to become better and lastly we do have some spots open for our one-on-one fitness coaching so if you are looking to revitalize your life and you're just not sure how not sure what the next step is but you know it starts with getting in great shape and loving the body you're in click the link in this podcast at brianpickowitz.com and apply for a free clarity call where you and i can jump on a call we'll align on the vision of what it looks like to become your best and will create a specific plan that is outlined for you to not only get results but to create a lifestyle that allows you to thrive with fitness and health at the helm of your journey so thank you all so much and without further ado here's justin murphy Justin Murphy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on. What's going on? Oh, it's going great. It's going great. It's a beautiful day here in Dallas. Um, I, I can say that I'm a Dallas citizen now, so it, it's, it's quite exciting. Um, and I'm really grateful that we got connected in, my, in one of the first weeks that I had here in Dallas. And I really appreciate your, your just generosity and being able to connect. And I'm just really grateful and excited to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you. That's, uh, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I, you know, it's one we're in, we're in Dallas and that's cool because there's, there are a lot of entrepreneurs in Dallas for sure, but in the fitness space, I mean, it's, you know, I, there's probably a select few people that I know, but, um, I find that a lot of the entrepreneurs that I talk with actually aren't in the fitness space. Like they're doing kind of their other, you know, their own thing in their own space. So, yeah, man. I'm like I said, when we first met, I'm, I'm always open to like meeting people. And like, I love doing podcasts. Obviously, I've ripped <laughs> off 100 here in four months. And um, but yeah, man, dude, I'm excited for the show. I'm excited to expand more on our conversation that we had. I think we talked for like two hours in the coffee shop that first day. So um, I'm, a, I'm a talker and I get off on tangents. I think you do the same. So Hopefully, people can stick with us today. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be uh, reined in for the least. Um, so my first question is, what does it mean to be an empathetic problem solver? Oh, I like it. You did your homework. It's a good interviewer. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we, so we picked that tagline up, you know, with, with iCoach Nutrition. It was something where, you know, like with most of the clients that we're working with, we realized that, you know, we truly do have to be empathetic towards wherever they are in, in their life, right? We got to meet them where they are. Um, I think that I learned empathy through a lot of different things that I went through in my life, like my own struggles, my you know adversity that I had to overcome. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's definitely a balance, right? We don't, as a coach, we don't want to sit here and just baby these people forever and be like empathetic forever. I mean, they, they're paying us, they want results, et cetera. So, um, you know, I'm going to be empathetic. I'm going to meet you with empathy, right? I'm going to meet you where you are in your journey. But I also want you to have the peace of mind that like, we're going to solve this problem, right? Like it's whether it takes three months or three years, like we're going to figure it out. And like, I'm going to be on your team. And like, I'm going to be that person in your life that's going to help you through all of these struggles, because it's not black and white, 
you know, you, you can sit here and write out the perfect plan for somebody and, you know, give it to them. That's, that's great. But what happens when X, Y, Z happens in their life? What happens when they lose their job? What happens when they get injured? What happens when, you know, God forbid somebody, they experience a death in the family, whatever, right? Like life is going to change. There's going to be a million curveballs thrown at you as I've realized uh, after, you know, finding out that my wife was pregnant with our first child two months after starting my own business. So um, yeah, man, empathetic problem solver. It's, 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 it's exactly what it sounds. It's, it's meeting that person and being empathetic and realizing that, you know, I've, I've been working in the field now for, you know, almost 10 years, this person, this might be their first attempt at this, mm. you know, and the reality of it is, is the, the two things that most of us didn't learn growing up were finance and nutrition. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, just being empathetic and, and not being that Nazi of a coach. You know, when I first started in the field as a personal trainer, like I was definitely somebody that was like, I just don't get it. Like they, they're, they must just be lying to me. Like, you know, like there's no way that they're doing what I'm saying, you know, just like that type of mentality. And I learned really quick that that's, that's not what people are looking for and that's not what people want. Um, so, you know, being empathetic, but also being a problem solver, not just being somebody that, you know, is all fluff and you never get results and all that. Cause it's, it's definitely, you know, it's, you got to find a balance between the two. Yeah. It's certainly a fine line. I know that cause you want to get, I, I define it as like discipline versus grace. Like you need to be able to find the middle ground where you can actually give people help, but most people need to be understood first. And it's like the, the mantra of stop making excuses and work harder only goes so far when you can't work out of your own way. Yeah. For you, where, where would you say, like, so what would you say that middle ground is though? Like where, where does empathy and discipline meet so that someone can actually get results? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that'd be the, the million dollar question if I, if I had that answer, but <laughs> Um, you know, again, I think it goes back to, it, it depends, you know, and I, I know that's the answer that so many of us coaches have and so many people don't want to hear, but it, it really does. You know, I, I think that I could sit here and have an individual that came to me and um, I might think that this is the best strategy for them, or this is the best way to coach them, but yet that's just not their personality type at all. And maybe that causes them to quit, you know, after a month or two and, because of that, they go and, and they sign up for the, you know, the, the $99 meal plan or, or whatever other thing is out there that we know is just going to put them right back into this negative feedback loop. So it's a big responsibility as a coach. And, I, you know, again, it's like, I think in that first month, the thing that I try to do and the things that our coaches try to do is I want to get to know you as best as I possibly can. I want to build a relationship with you. I want you to actually legitimately believe that I want to be on your team. Right. And I want you to believe that this is going to be the last like nutrition coach or, or like program or diet or whatever that you have to go on. Now it's not to say that you can't, you know, experiment with other things later on, but it's just like, I want you to actually learn this stuff. I don't want you to be confused anymore. Like I don't want you to question or not be confident in, in nutrition. Right. Just as if I was a, you know, a, a financial advisor, advisor or something like that, an accountant. And I wanted to teach somebody about um, finance and, and making sure that, you know, they're not going into debt and all of these different things. So um, it's definitely a balance. And I can't really answer that question like black and white. Yeah. But I think that um, 
you know, it's, you become better at it as you have been a coach for longer and longer, right? Like I was not that good at it year one. At year 10, I, I would like to think that I'm a lot better at understanding people. Um, I think that looking into people's personality types, I think that looking into people, like having them take like the love language, um, you know, quiz, uh, finding out their love languages, finding out their, um, there's a, what's, there's a few others out there. Like we were talking about maybe like the, um, the what was it? The Myers-Briggs, was yeah, that one? Myers-Briggs is a pretty good one. The Colby for- Index. Yeah, understanding just where their actual values are and how they receive information. That's usually yeah. what the Briggs Myers or Myers Briggs does. Yeah, aligning on personality types. Right, right. That so there was that one. There was there's like the Colby Index. So there's all these different assessments out there, right? And then you know, of course, like when you think about like an initial questionnaire, or something that a client would fill out, like they're going through a whole bunch of other questions as well. So in that first month, it's like, how can I figure out? as much about this person as I possibly can to let them know that this is going to be an experience like they've never had before. Because most of the time it's like, what's your goal? What's your, you know, your height and your age and your weight. And then they like spit out some calculation or give you your macros or a meal plan or whatever. And it's like, I, I don't know. It might work for some people if, if, if it works, like if you're that type of person and it works for you, but mm-hmm. For so many people with coaching, I, I think that's why one-on-one coaching is such a big deal now. I mean, I think that that's why so many people are seeking it because they've realized that the information is truly out there everywhere. You know, somebody just telling you your macros or, or giving you a meal plan, it might, it might work maybe, but the reality of it is, is you're really buying the accountability. You're buying like the education, right? And you want to actually get equipped with those tools so that eventually you can figure this out on your own. You can be able to do this on your own. And not be reliant on the multi, multi, multi billion dollar nutrition and fitness and supplement space that has been, you know, has just blown up over the years. I also think that it's also your your goal when you hire a coach, or, or your, I guess a better way of referring is your the role of a coach is almost to be a miner, meaning that they're they're trying to help you dig for a breakthrough. In, in, in different sense and wherever that comes through, but so many people just need to actually have someone who can guide them to realizing where the holes are so they can fill them in because that's really where empathy is powerful because then you can be like, oh, well, I didn't realize that rather than just being like, oh, your problem is mindset. And they'll be like, oh, well, my problem is mindset. It's, it's all about them figuring it out for themselves, but you guiding them to that. Uh, off that though, why do you feel like so many coaches do lack empathy? So why are there so many different coaches who do have that rah-rah mindset that it is all about hard work and just grinding it out? Why is empathy something that is lost, especially within, I don't want to say men, but why do you feel like so many different coaches in the industry lose that perspective? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think it's simply because most people that get into the nutrition and fitness space did it because they were good at it. Mm. right? They were always good at it. It was always easy for them. They, they never really had to try to have the body, you know, and work hard for their body or whatever, right? Like for me, for example, like I was an athlete my whole entire life. And up until three years ago, when I stopped being an athlete, my body was a byproduct of me competing in sports and all the practice and all like all the training. I never thought about it of, 
oh, I'm doing this for my health or for my, my weight or any, like I never had those conversations. And what's crazy over the last three years, I've had way more issues with like, um, you know, just like body issues and like, you know, like just like looking at myself in the mirror and like thinking negatively. I never had any of that up until three years ago. Mm. And it's just because that was never my focus. Right. And when I shift out of like performance being my ultimate goal in sports and that being the only thing I care about to then like actually having to like do all of the things that everybody else has to do to live a healthy lifestyle. It was like, crap, like this is hard. And, you know, it's like, I think a lot of people in the, in the space, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think I wouldn't sit here and say that the majority of the coaches went through a transformation of their own. You know, like there are a lot out there that have, and and I think that they can be more empathetic. I think the coaches that didn't have to go through a transformation themselves, they have to learn how to be empathetic through coaching people and through kind of the years of that. So for me, like I was not empathetic for probably the first, uh, I don't know, three to five years of me being like a personal trainer and coach and all that. I think that that's really developed over the years. And that, that happened through me coaching people and realizing that, Hey, asshole. I don't, I don't know if I can cuss. Oh no, yeah. How about it? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I had to look at myself in the mirror and then I learned from other people as well. But it was kind of like, Hey, like quit being a dick. Like, you know, like you don't know what is going on in these people's life. These people are coming to you wanting to lose weight. They don't really like, sure. They're saying that, but there's something way deeper than that. And like, you never know what is going on in these people's lives. So empathy is huge, man. Like, as you know, like it's, I would say empathy, the, the ability to be able to empathize with people as a coach, as a team leader, as a business owner, as just a really just a, a good person in life is one of the best traits that you possibly could have. Mm, I couldn't agree more. I want to segue in a, another piece that I think is going to be fundamental to anyone who's listening, who may be on their own journey or any other way, but what do you believe is one of the most fundamental aspects or one of the most fundamental pieces that anyone needs in order to change their lifestyle? Mm. And that can go anyway. It doesn't have to be one thing. It can be, you know, you can open that up to whatever. Yeah. I, I definitely think I could go a few different ways with it, but you know, I think if somebody wants to change their lifestyle, a lot of the times it doesn't actually happen until something happens to them. Mm. Right. So they get, they have a health scare, right. They have somebody, you know, like I said, somebody, God forbid, die in their family or whatever. Right. Like they get diagnosed with a diabetes or high blood pressure or whatever. Right. And so it's, 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 a, it's a very reactive thing. Um, you know, I, we talked briefly about my story. Like I talked about, like I had to hit my lowest low. I had to hit rock bottom before I woke the fuck up and realized that I only got one opportunity, one shot, one life. Right. And I literally almost lost all of that, but I got this second chance for whatever reason. And and that's, what's driven me for the last 10 years. So I think a lot of the times, unfortunately, people, they're not going to want to change their lifestyle until something actually happens. Mm. Now, once that thing happens, how do they go about changing it? Well, what most people do is they try to go and do a million different things. They try to change everything, right? It's like this all or nothing approach. And what I would argue is, and what I've seen over the last 10 years working with people is like <laughs> the best approach is finding the one thing that you can improve 
right? Like we all know what it is. Like, oh, you're drinking too much? Cool. Oh, you're not going to the gym at all? Cool. Oh, you're eating out for the majority of your food? Oh, cool. You know, so it's like all these different things. Like we all know, and, and maybe there's tons of different things, but like, what's the one thing? Like, what's the, what's the thing that is literally like holding you back the most? Right? Or what's the one thing that if, like the book, right? What's the one thing that if you did, it would move you forward? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, unfortunately, a lot of the times before people are going to change their lifestyle, something's going to happen to them. Um, and maybe it's not a physical thing. Maybe it's, it's something they saw in the news or they, they heard or they, they read in a book or, or whatever that enlightening moment was for them, whenever the light bulb went off. Um, but it's hard, you know? Like, especially if you like, I mean, you know, clients, like clients coming 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. Like, I mean, if you've been doing something for that long, right. If you've built up these habits over years and years and years, they've just been submitted into you. Don't expect to change everything in a week or a month or even a year. It's, it's going to take time, right? Because you're, you're literally challenging yourself to think differently towards the way that you live your life. And it's not only, it's not only just you for most people, we're also talking about their significant other. We're also talking about their environment with their friends, with their family, with their work, right? If somebody's used to the way that you are, and then all of a sudden you want to go and change the way that you are, you know, especially later in life, that's challenging. Mm. And, and one other thing that's really important is that people realize that it doesn't have to happen overnight. Like it, it doesn't, there's no, there's no reason for it to happen that way. And I think that that perspective shifts everything because then you actually have time to play with it. You actually have time to live in that transformation. And when you live in it, that's where I think the real power comes from. Right. And I completely agree. And, and the great, you know, kind of example there is it's just like, like money, right. Or like fame. Like if I could snap my fingers right now, and, and hand that to you, like hand you your 30 pound weight loss or hand you the, the million dollars or the, you know, the mansions or the fame or whatever. It's like, is that really going to make you happy? Mm. And, and, and most people, that's what they're chasing, right? They want to be happy. They want to be confident. Right. And so I think that most people, they come to, you know, I know you do like the fitness side of things too, but they come to us for nutrition coaching. And I laugh because it's like, of course there's that, but, but really what you're getting is you're getting a mindset, right? You're, we're developing a mindset along the way that is going to make you into the person that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, 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 I mean, going back to that lifestyle shift, like <laughs> it's, it's hard to change your mindset, especially later in life. I mean, you always, you hear the saying all the time, right? They're just stuck in their own ways. Right. You hear that all the time. So yeah. I mean, I have so much respect for people when they are vulnerable and they put themselves out there and they ask for help. Mm. You know, I, I, it's hard to do. Like it's, and that's why I try to, you know, I try to pre- preach it, right? And, and I try to like, I, I try to live by it. Like I try to have my own coach because it's like, I, even with 10 years and, and a nutrition degree and all these different things, like I have a nutrition coach just because I think it's important to have a coach. Like, mm. Maybe I don't even, you know, maybe I'm not really getting that much out from a nutrition education standpoint, but from an accountability standpoint, which is 50% of the equation, if not more, I mean, like I'm getting a lot out of that, Mm. especially because I'm having one of my coaches coach me. I mean, it's the ultimate accountability, right? Like I want to lead from the front. 
I'm not trying to be sit behind a computer and eat, you know, bonbons and tell people to how to eat. You know, it's like, I, I want to live that life. Mm. Um, so yeah, I know that was a little long winded there, but no, absolutely. I think it's interesting. Um, I had a conversation with an older gentleman. He's probably in his seventies. He used to run marathons and he's like, I can't do it anymore because of my body, but I still go out and I go for like a long walk for like an hour sometimes and I'll go and do my weights and so on. And he's like, the thing about it is it's not about the actual exercise. It doesn't matter. Like those things are great. It's, it's about all the obstacles in my way to go exercise. It's about oh, my knees hurt or I don't feel like it. And he, he articulated as by overcoming those obstacles, that's what brings me joy. Hmm. The workout themselves isn't, isn't the fundamental piece. It's, it's the actual obstacle. And I know that kind of harkens back to Ryan Holiday's, like the obstacle is the way, but, yeah. but it really is. It really is the way because that's where you find your true sense of being in power. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, like, again, it's like, if I, if I go back to 10 years ago, like if I just snapped my finger and had it, you know, one day later, like I would not be the person who I am today. Like mm -hmm. it takes time. Like there was a lot of development. There was a lot of, growth there was a lot of you know just really that that work on oneself which as we you know again as we it's it's easy to be selfish when it's just ourself as we get a significant other a baby you know all these other obligations like it's it's hard and so i think that that's another thing too is so many of us just fall into the trap of you know, prioritizing other people and, and not prioritizing our own self. In fact, even feeling guilty if we prioritize our own self. Mm. And that's just something I'm really trying to speak about a lot because I, I don't agree with that. I, I'm a big firm believer that when you prioritize yourself first, you are going to be a much better person towards everybody else. And you're going to be that person that you want to be. As soon as you start, you know, forgetting about yourself, like everything, like it, it, I just, I see it time after time again. That's when things start going the other way mm. and you're not going to be able to be the person you want to be when you're not prioritizing yourself. I saw it happen the first year of me building a business. I went all in on that as a nutrition coach. I was somebody who literally like, was, like really wasn't really working out. You know, I was working, grinding, like all in, especially with uh, quitting my job and then, and then, you know, finding out I'm having a kid two months after that, like, I'm like, screw working out. I need every hour I possibly can to build this business. Mm -hmm. And because of that, what happens? Health gets put on the backseat, right? Like, you know, and so it's, it's, it's this game of like finding balance and depending upon who you talk about. Some people are like balance is bullshit. And some people are like, you have to find balance. I mean, everybody knows their own life best, but you know, I'm a huge, huge believer that you have to prioritize your own self so that you can be your best self. Mm, I love that. One thing that I wanted to dive in off of that is the, the value of identity. So what, what role does someone's identity play in their habits when they're trying to change them? And, and I, I know you talked on a recent podcast about identity mapping and, and creating a different identity for yourself along that journey. And I know if that's something you could dive into because I think it's so important for people to understand that habits do follow your identity and it's not just motivation and willpower. Like you can't white knuckle your way there, but I wanted you to dive into that because that was a really interesting perspective. I think that if anyone's struggling with habits, it would really shed some light on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, kind of like with the podcast, that's kind of where it all stemmed from. It was like, you know, the, the identity project. And so it's this idea that our identities have been shaped by, you know, different people, different uh, environments, you know, all of these different life events up until now. Right. I mean, if I go back through, I mean, this is why we, we interview on the podcast the way that we do. It's like, I, I want to take them all the way back to where they're born through elementary school, through middle school, because especially some of these people, it's like they're being put on a pedestal, right? They look like from afar that they have it all figured out and that they're like famous and all this different stuff. And so when you get to go back and see the struggles, right? Like see how they went through and shaped their identity through struggle, through adversity, through, you know, an identity crisis sometimes at some points, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's super powerful. So yeah, identity for me is like thinking back to everything throughout my whole entire life, me as uh, you know, through different sports, um, me and my lowest low of my life in like junior and senior year of high school. Um, those were super, super dark times. I was not, I'm not proud of the person that I was then whatsoever. Um, you know, and, and then even like to now where I'm, I'm really proud of everything that I've accomplished over the last 10 years. And I have so many more goals and, and I, I love, I truly love the person that I am today, but you know, at the same time, it's just like, I know that my identity is going to continue to evolve. And, and that's like an exciting thing. I think sometimes we can get stuck in an identity in a previous identity, uh, you know, nutrition, for example, I used to be able to do this to lose weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. You were 20 years old. You're 50, like quit living in that identity, you know? Um, so I, I think, I think identity is, is something that is shaped and formed throughout your life. I think that, um, you know, we're in control of it. I think that we have the ability to shape it. I, I, you know, when I'm 18 years old, I'm, I'm faced with a two, two, two roads. So, you know, I, I could have continued down the route that I was, or I could have done what I did. And it was not easy. It was extremely hard. And, and I was being pulled back from old influences. And like, it was really easy to fall back into that. You know, and so I had to literally separate myself. I had to, at that time, completely change my identity. And that, that was the fastest that it's ever happened. And the reason why is because I felt so guilty, so bad. Like I felt, I, I had people, you know, I was like a, I was in like the homecoming court. I was like one of three people that got a football scholarship. Like, you know, like in my town, I was respected by a lot of people. I come back after getting in, in some trouble and like literally people, to my face like you're a piece of shit like don't hang out with my kid like you're worth this you're not gonna amount to anything mm-hmm. and like did i use it for motivation yeah 100 um you know and, and it wasn't really necessarily in a way of like oh, oh i'm gonna prove you wrong or screw you or whatever it's more of like they're all right mm-hmm. like who the who am i like how why why did i get a second chance at life when I could have sat there in jail for two years and had felonies on my record and, uh, you know, maybe would have lacked so much confidence after that, that I maybe would have never amounted to anything in life. Yeah. And that's something that I really wanted to dive into. And I think it's a great segue because one of the things that I really loved about your story is there are so many fundamental moments where you did change your identity. And so one of the things I wanted to address is 
what were some of those fundamental moments? Like where, where did it really shine through that you needed to change your identity in order to step into your full potential and create the life that you wanted to live? So I, I, I always dreamed of, I, I, well, let me take it back. I, I came from an amazing family. Um, you know, we never had like tons and tons of money growing up or anything like that. Like at 15 years old is when I got my first job. I rode my bike to a water park and worked in the kitchen and, you know, it was terrible. Uh, but, you know, I bought my first car. Like at basically at like 16 years old, my dad was pretty much like, yeah, like if you want something out of life, like you will get it yourself. Mm. Um, and I learned 100% my work ethic from him. Uh, he has phenomenal work ethic even to this day. It's insane. Um, but, you know, I, I learned the biggest pivotal point for me in my whole entire life was 100% when I got in trouble. Mm. Uh, there's been other, you know, times since then, but like that was the biggest change in my whole entire life because at that moment, uh, you know, for those two years I had gotten super caught up and at my high school, like drugs were really big ecstasy in particular. Um, you know, there was uh, a lot of selling drugs going along. I got, again, like a kid that doesn't have money, uh, I was really, really drawn to money. I was always very entrepreneurial. I was always, I actually figured out later in life that I was always entrepreneurial, but pretty much every single thing that I did to make money was illegal until I actually started doing personal training mm. and figured out that I could actually make good money legally, <laughs> uh, as bad as that sounds. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny because I also think I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and they have similar paths with um, drug dealing and, and different things like that, which is, which is crazy. But um, going back to it, when I got in trouble in Kansas, you know, I had gotten a, almost a full ride scholarship to go play football. I got kicked out of my school after one semester. Um, you know, what we did was not something that was like crazy bad. I mean, it, it got hyped up into like way more. We were walking through the campus. There was a backpack. Um, again, we were trying to make money at the time. So we were going to take the textbook and go sell them back. There just so happened to have been a, a wallet in there and like a credit card. We go to, uh, McDonald's, Walmart, and, uh, one other, oh, and to get gas. And of course they see us, it's a small, small town. They see us on the cameras and that night they come knocking on the door and me and my, my, my doormate, we both get arrested. Never been arrested in my life. Like I honestly thought I was getting a ticket. Then that night they told us that you're facing uh, two felonies, seven misdemeanors, two years in jail. Wow. Like I went from thinking that I was invincible, like this kid just living the, the fast life, the, you know, selling drugs, making money, uh, you know, really just not giving a care, a, a fuck about anything, like just doing anything and everything that I want to do. Most selfish person in the world, uh, with women, with, with everything. Um, and I was not religious at the time. And, uh, you know, that night I, I got, st I got put in jail with somebody that was in there for stabbing two people. Like this was the real deal. And I, and I had no idea. And that night, I literally, I mean, thinking back to right now, like I, it like brings tears to my eyes because it's like, I think back and I literally cried that whole entire night. I, I wasn't religious at the time. I grabbed a Bible that night, just read the Bible the whole entire night. And that was, you know, you call it what you want. There's a lot of people these days that aren't religious, but like that was 100% like the moment. That was the moment that changed everything because I realized that 
I came, like I came from this amazing family. And so when I got bailed out, I got bailed out after 24 hours and ended up getting all of these charges like dropped, which was, it was like, I, I prayed that night for a miracle. I was like, look, God, I know that these last two, three years I've lived so selfishly. I, uh, you know, I really, my whole life, I haven't really like reached out to you, but, uh, you know, if, if you will give me a second chance at life, like if you will somehow help me to get out of this to where I don't get felonies, cause I'm, you know, I'm 18. I'm like, if I get a felony, my life's over. That's what I, that's all I could think about. Um, I was like, if, if you can give me this second chance at life, I promise I will dedicate the rest of my life to helping other people. I will not hurt people anymore because not that I was intentionally doing it, but if you're selling drugs, you're hurting people. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I made that promise. And for whatever reason, I have no, like, who am I? I, I don't know why I got that chance. Um, but yeah, that, that changed everything because from that point, got out the very next day, met my mom and dad who had drove all the way up to Kansas in tears, you know, like facing that was terrible. Coming back home, facing the community, my brothers, and I had three little brothers and sisters at the time, facing all of them. Um, yeah, man. I mean, you just, I literally felt like a piece of shit. Mm. And I knew that I was going to have to go all in on changing the identity that I had unfortunately built for myself over the last two to three years, which was 100% my fault. Took 100%, you know, responsibility for it. And really, you know, you can go ask people in, in the hometown now. I mean, they're, they were very shocked at the, you know, the, the 180 degree turn that was made from that point on till now. Mm. Between, so, and I know that faith plays a huge role in that. So I don't want to discredit that um, because it's a fundamental shift in your identity. But when you get back, you have all these people that are around you. I imagine that you're surrounded by some of the same people who you were running around with beforehand and you're in those same circles and you're in those same cycles. What did you do that fundamentally made it so that you didn't go back? Like what specifically allowed you to make that hard line decision to say, Hey, I'm going to clean this up. I'm going to get my shit together. And you completely altered course. Well, what would you contribute that to, or how did you interact with people or, or move beyond that? Yeah. So I think there was two very pivotal points. One was, although I appreciate my parents and making me always, you know, have to buy all my own stuff and all of that. Like I appreciate it. But at the same time that led to a mentality of like me always needing money and seeking money also because I, I, I have never lived my life, uh, in like, I've, I've always been somebody that really enjoyed nice things and all of that. Right. Um, so that was one big piece. It was the money. And, and I, and I realized that, um, when I started doing personal training, which was within about a year after coming back that I mean, first off, I didn't even know what personal training was, right? Like I was, I, I started working at 24 hour fitness at the front desk. Uh, when I got back from Kansas, like making minimum wage and a trainer came up to me, asked if I wanted to work out with him. And then after a few workouts, he was like, why don't you be a trainer? I was like, what the hell is a trainer? Mm. Um, so I didn't even know what that was. And even with getting a football scholarship, I had the thing that I was good at, was working out <laughs> like I wouldn't play football but like I was way better at working out like I was a state power lifter like strength conditioning was something I loved mm -hmm. and so I never knew that you could like that could be like a job 
And so when I figured out what a personal trainer was, and then I figured out that I could actually make good money as a personal trainer, those were two like huge game changers for me. Because now I found something that I was super passionate about and that I was actually good at. Um, and then I also found something that was legal and I could make comparable money to. I mean, dude, I like no joke. I was, you know, 17, 18 years old, making $3,000 a weekend, going to these rave clubs, selling ecstasy. Wow. So when you're pulling in, you know, 10, $12,000 a month at 17, 18 years old, it's really hard to go work a nine to five making minimum wage, <laughs> you know? Um, so those were, those were huge. Those were two big, big things for me. And then more importantly, I think, you know, I had always been somebody that had really big dreams and really big aspirations. And a lot of it was like financially driven, which, you know, obviously that's a component, but I, I'm glad to see me evolve. And, and that's not like my number one priority anymore. But I think that, um, it's, it's like, I wanted these things, but I didn't know how to get there, you know, and it was trying to like bridge this gap. And so when I started doing personal training, you know, these people are paying 24 hour fitness, like $60 a session, something like that. Right. Like, you know, most of these people are successful and like, you know, more accomplished and different. And, and so like I had mentors, mm. what I did for all of my personal training clients was nothing in comparison to what they did for me. Yeah. They were all mentors. And what I started to learn just through our conversations were I started to bridge that gap. I started to realize that all of these crazy things are, are not that crazy. Like, it, is it going to be hard? Yeah, it is. But I learned so much from my clients during those three to four years when I had come back from, you know, what happened. And, and, and I had also fell into a career, which I've been in for 10 years now, which is awesome. I mean, who finds a career at 18 years old? Not that many people. And I'm super grateful for that. Because going back to that, that, you know, front desk job, I, I had two different interviews. One was for that. And the other was for Home Depot. Mm. I went to Home Depot first. I got no showed by the person that was going to interview me. <laughs> I went to the 24. I got that one. That could have changed my whole life as well. Mm. So life's, life's crazy, man. I mean, you know, with even, even with all of that positivity, like, and, and I was in school, right. I, I, as soon as I got back, that was a big point. It was like, get, get in school. Like you're not taking any time off. Like, so I was right back in school, but like you said, I, I did have the influences and not, I, I, I don't ever want to blame people. Like it's 100% up to you. Like don't blame people for, for other things, but yeah, I had all the same friends. They were still, they were still back there. Um, you know, I, I, I had to, go very tunnel vision for about three years yeah i mean i i i I did not hang out with people like i used to i i was very 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 focused on me and myself and rebuilding um you know just the opinions of others and and how people looked at me and, and regaining people's respect and um you know, just really caring about the life that I wanted to live and not, not sitting here being that person that I was because I felt very, very strongly about the promise that I made that night. And I, I really, truly try to live by that every single day. And I continue to do that for the rest of my life because I know 
that I have, you know, my, I have several people in my family that struggle with addiction. I have to be just really careful with all that stuff, you know, and, and I, that happened to me in high school and that could have took my whole life. It could have ruined everything. Yeah. I, I just, I can't be, I can't be naive to that. And, and so it, it's, it's very easy to be grateful <laughs> for the life that I live now because I, dude, there's so many people. I mean, one of my friends is, is leading up, um, a whole project here where she's, it's a, it's a, um, it's a staffing agency for previously incarcerated people. And, you know, she was just speaking a few days ago in a, in a prison and she said the same thing. She's like, we're literally no different. Y'all got caught. I didn't Mm. like, you know, And, and that's why I feel so strongly about it because it's like, damn, like, I'm so lucky. Yeah. So well, lucky. I know that I heard on another podcast talking about how many opportunities just besides the the theft, like so many other things could have gone wrong to, to derail your life. And I think that that's a powerful perspective to have when you're in that space, you can find gratitude in it. And I bring up the identity change also because I was in, I was in a very similar situation myself and, um, for me, I actually took, I got jumped at a party and, and I was like, these people aren't my people anymore. Like they're not my friends. And I know like what that brings. So I just really can connect with some of the things that you bring up in your story. And I think that's what makes it so powerful. But one question I had is, so you're on this path, really money focused, really hustle focused, and, and you're going along that journey. When did it shift for your passion to help other people? So when did it shift from this hustle mindset to, Hey, I have a gift, I have a talent and I have a purpose. When did you find that meaning to actually help people? Because that's one thing you fundamentally speak about as a coach and that shows up in all your content. So when did that become your focus and driving factor? Yeah, I, so I I think it prematurely started that night when I said it, right. When I said, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to helping other people. Uh, to say that I acted on that and, and that was my only mindset would not be true. Um, I think it was probably after the first few times of truly helping people, right? Like having that client that I had worked with for six months and like truly actually changed their life. Like hearing that comment, like Justin, like you legitimately have like made such an impact on my life. And like, you literally have like changed my life. Like hearing, once I heard that three or four times, I was addicted. Yeah. Like that became my oxygen. Like, because it's just at the end of the day, I mean, like there's just, I mean, this is so hard for so many people, you know? And I just feel like I've, because of, you know, maybe I didn't have to go through a transformation with my body, but I had to go through a really, really big transformation with my mind. And, uh, you know, I, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough. Like it's, it's really, really tough. Mm. And one question that I had is as you were going through that process and we're talking a lot about identity change. So you were one of the top CrossFitters in your region. So CrossFit athletes, not CrossFitters. I don't know if that's the correct vernacular or not. Same thing. (laughs) Um, When did that shift in your perspective? I was interested in hearing about that identity change because that 
was also a turning point when I look at a lot of what you're speaking about that you really became solidified as this coach rather than this athlete who was also coaching people. So what led to that decision and what was that identity change like to become more of the guide rather than the person that people are just looking at for motivation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so what happened there, I had, I had basically been competing in the sport now. Well, so when I, towards the end of 24 hour fitness there, I, you know, I kind of started realizing, okay, I'm, you know, even if I sit here and I'm the top trainer and I do 204 sessions in a month and generate $23,000 for this company, I only got paid eight. <laughs> so as soon as I realized that I was like, all right, you know, I, I feel like I've gotten everything that I can like from this place. I think it's time for me to graduate. And I kind of graduated. I went all in on CrossFit at that point. I had gotten introduced to it. Um, you know, like most trainers, the first workout I did, I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. Like this CrossFit's stupid. You're going to get injured. Like I was that trainer, right? Um, but again, I was good at strength conditioning. Like that was my best thing. And I was like, wait, now there's like a sport of strength and conditioning. Like this is it. Like, this is like my chance to like, actually like really excel in a sport because I mean, again, after only one semester with football, I got kicked out. Right. So, um, I realized though, through competing, um, you know, I competed for three years, the, the first year I had been doing it for about six months and I missed qualifying by four spots. So at that time it was the, the top 48 out of the region. So you're talking like top 48 out of like 12,000. Um, I'm, I got, I, I got 52nd. That was, was six months. And I was like, all right, like I was pissed cause I wanted to make it, but I was hungrier than ever. So that next year I ended up qualifying. And then the following year I qualified as well. Well, that last year that I qualified, I also finished my degree in nutrition that year. I also got married. I also had a honeymoon and, and, you know, read or the open is the end of February. I got married in December. I graduated in December, we went on a honeymoon in December. So like all that, like two months before the, really open, like not a good strategy, would never recommend it. Uh, but anyway, somehow made it. And, and at that point I just, you know, I was like, look, my goal was to make it to the CrossFit games. I made it to regionals twice. One year I got 19th, one year I got 21st. Top five, go to the CrossFit games. And you know, I, I just had to have a real conversation with myself in the mirror. It was, look, if you're going to do this CrossFit thing, you need to go all in on it. Because at that time I was working a lot. I was in full, you know, I was, I was only training like maybe two hours, maybe three hours a day. Whereas a lot of people were putting in five, six hours a day. So it was like, I, I was like, look, you're spreading yourself too thin. You're doing this, 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 and this. It's like, I need you to go all in on one thing so that you can actually get the most out of it. And, you know, again, I had just gotten married. Like that brings on responsibility. Like I'm now like providing for like my family. And, you know, I just looked at it and I was like, look, I, do I think I could make it to the CrossFit Games? Yes. And I would, that would be so awesome. But what happens if I make it to the CrossFit Games? Nothing. <laughs> like, if you win, you get like $275,000. Mm. But like 10th place gets like 10000 right? So, and, and making top 10 at the Games, like that probably wasn't going to happen. Um, so I just had to have a realistic conversation with myself and say, look, like, I don't, I was, you know, I was 20, maybe 25 at the time then. And I was, or 24. And I was like, I don't want to be looking back on my life when I'm 30 years old and, and starting my career then. I don't want to be, I don't want to have like regret because I knew that ultimately like 
making it to the CrossFit Games is not like my ultimate dream in life. You know, like my my career and like ultimately building like a business was something I was super passionate about doing. But I was also very realistic with, you know, the fact that I can't do everything. Mm. Um, and so at that moment, I decided to stop competing. Um, that, you know, that, that last year I made to regionals was my, was my last year. And I went all in on nutrition. I, at that point, like before I graduated, graduated with my nutrition degree, I was debating going to physical therapy school. So I was in the realm of like strength conditioning, like as a coach with like CrossFit and like doing personal training and stuff. I was obviously the nutrition side of it because I was in school and like coaching people in nutrition and all that. And then I also had like this like rehab physical therapy thing as well. So all three of these like interests. And because I ended up going to school with nutrition and going to PT school at that point was just going to be so much. And I just wasn't willing to make that sacrifice again. Like I just got married. I can't like go to school and make no money. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, man, at that, at that decision, at that point, I made the decision to go all in on nutrition and nutrition coaching and staying very specific with that. Like not, not doing personal training, not doing CrossFit coaching, like literally nutrition only. And I was like, I want to become a nutrition expert. I'm going to put all of my time, all of my eggs in that basket. And uh, so that was, you know, after I graduated, so that's been two, two and a half years ish, something like that. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a tough decision to make, you know, cause the ego wants you to stick with how you look and how strong you are. And I know that for, for so many people, and especially myself, like included, like I, I was coming from bodybuilding and had to do that same thing. Like I had competed three times. I had done pretty well. And I was like, is this what my passion, like, is this what my future is? Because if it is, then I need to figure that out. And so I was really interested to hear how that identity shift went because I know how that can permeate through everything. And, and as you were going through that process, what, what allowed you to go all in on, on your coaching? Like what, what tangibly shifted in your mind to show up and do the work in your business and do the work on helping people? Like where, where did you allocate your time? What were some habits that allowed you to break from the cycle of needing to be that athlete? Curious to see what comes up from there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It was tough, you know, because I was still working at, you know, a CrossFit gym, right? So I'm sitting here seeing all of the people still, you know, all the competitors that are still competing and and everybody in the class and, uh, you know, obviously like when I was working out with people, like I would still like try to go hard and all of that, but slowly, but surely like over those two, you know, basically over that year ish time period, I just saw my fitness go lower and lower and lower. And I was just like, it sucked. I was like, I'm getting less fit by the second I feel I, my, my body is I'm losing my body by the second, you know, like, I mean, and obviously that wasn't true. It was just these thoughts in my head, but, um, yeah, man, it was tough. It, but at the same time, like, look, I was that athlete for, for three years. Well, really like my whole life. So to gain the respect of other people and make that transition, I needed to go all in. Like, I don't want to be, I, I didn't want to be somebody that was competing in CrossFit and trying to grow prisons. Like that, that just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I knew what it took to be a good CrossFit athlete. And I also knew well, at least I thought I knew what it took to be, you know, to, to build a business. And so it's like, it's just really hard to do both of those. There's people like Jason Khalifa, hats off to him. I and mean, that dude is crushing life. Obviously he doesn't compete anymore, but he's built 
a huge business and, and did really well with that platform. Um, but, you know, it, at the end of the day, it, it was just a decision that was, that was made. And when I made that shift, like I went all in on it. So I got, I got presented a, a unique opportunity as well. Um, you know, I was at that CrossFit gym for five years. And the last year that I was there, I built from the ground up a online nutrition coaching company. Like, so basically a business within a business, right? And so one, that was awesome because I had just gotten out of school. During school, I had done like several certifications and, and worked with people and all of that. But, you know, I actually got to kind of build a coaching platform and a, and a coaching business myself. Um, and everything that I learned through that process then basically kind of gave me the confidence, um, to, to, to take that leap. Finally. I mean, I had been in the field for eight years and still working for other people, mm. you know? And so at that time I actually met a mentor. Um, the, the mentor was probably really the one that kind of gave me that permission slip and pushed me off the ledge. Um, and so between the support of my wife, between, um, you know, the support of, of a mentor and, and then the confidence of me proving it over that first year. Um, and not to mention by, by the time that I left 50% of those clients were from the gym and the other 50% I had gotten from online. They had nothing to do with the gym whatsoever. So it gave me this confidence of like, man, like, you know, I'm, I'm really doing all of this myself. I'm really building this myself. Um, you know, ultimately like I want to build a company, I want to build a team. And so that's between all of that, that's what kind of finally led me to, to, to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's a big leap. It's certainly a big leap. Um, well, it was huge because also, I mean, it, like I had gotten to a point where I was like super comfortable. I mean, you think about a CrossFit coach and how much they make and like, I just wanted to make it clear, not like it was tons of money or anything, but like, I was making decent money. I was making $6,000 a month. I wasn't like a CrossFit coach. I was like the director of all the programs. Mm. Uh, so we had like Olympic lifting, strength, CrossFit, you know, endurance, all this, uh, and the nutrition. Uh, and then I kind of headed up the nutrition. Um, but it was super stressful because we were living, you know, I like to call it like the $30,000 millionaire life, right? Like yeah. I was driving like a Cadillac ATS. Like I was driving a, a nicer car then than I am now and make way more than I did then. You know, it's just like, where are your priorities at? But uh, it was scary and it was tough. And, and I, it was something I had been thinking about for probably two or three years. Um, you know, and, and I think that um, when I finally made the jump, I was so scared. I, I had invested, so, I had invested money that I did not have. <laughs> like I used a credit card to like put my initial down payment down. Um, and then two months later we found out we were having a kid. Like, I mean, dude, there's just, I mean, I have all this stuff around my, my office here, you know, motivational stuff. And it's like, uh, you, when your back's up against the wall, no different than 10 years ago when I came back and met, you know, my community and had to completely change my identity and, and reprove myself. Like I, there's just something about going all in, you know? And I realized that some people maybe don't have the ability to go all in and they're juggling multiple things. I was too, three, four things, right? I was competing. I was in school. I was coaching. I was, you know, but the second that you can get to a point in your life where you can go all in on one thing, 
that's when things really, really start to get exciting mm. because it, you know, it, it's really, really, really hard to be great at multiple things. And if you want to be great and, and if you don't, that's, that's okay too. But like, if you sit here and you make the comment of like, I want to be an expert, it's going to take a lot of work. And I'm by no means an expert. Like I, I, I don't, I, I honestly find it really hard to even like call yourself an expert. Uh, Cause I feel like there's so much to learn always, but um, you know, it's just that I think that the mindset of always wanting to get better and, and personal development and like, I feel really good about myself when I, you know, again, prioritize my own self and that's through listening to podcasts and audiobooks and just becoming better. Like whether that's as a husband or a father or a, a leader or a, with nutrition or whatever, you know, it's just, that that's what makes life exciting because again, I'm falling in love with the process and the journey and not getting caught up and in some in number, which the beginning of me starting a business that happened to me too. Right. Mm. So I really appreciate you sharing that. I think it's so important that in all in, it's like define what all in is not like you right now, but I think it's important that people define what all in is because people have this mindset that they have to be all or nothing. And all or nothing for you might be six days a week going into hard in the pain and, and just crushing it. But it also might mean just going to the gym for three days and doing well in your nutrition. And I think that people need to articulate that so that they don't run into the, the, the maze of falling short because they're not reaching some un, unrealistic expectation. And so I, I think that that helps too, when you have like, yeah, you're all in on this goal of becoming your best and understanding that this is a piece. Because for us, it's like, I want to be the best coach possible. I want to be the best athlete possible. If Nancy is a great CEO who wants to get in shape, then the getting in shape part is part of her being a great CEO. You know, it's, it's not that she has to be all in on getting in shape. Right. No, I completely agree. And, and, and that's, you know, again, it, it goes back to comparing yourself to others and, you know, like just because something worked for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You know, it, it, this is, it, it's so much about figuring out what works best for you. And I know it's like such a cliche statement and it, you know, and it sounds easier when you say it, but like you, you have to, you have to find what works for you. The problem with that is, is most people don't do something long enough to figure out if it actually worked for them or not. You know, we're bouncing around between all the shiny objects that we see, whether it's with nutrition and every last diet that pops up or, you know, with, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, a business owner, a coach, and looking at what all the other people are doing and doing and, and trying to, you know, like sit here and it, it's like the, uh, uh, it's keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, that applies to so many different things in life. You know, it's, it's the second that you can become like happy or, you know, what like makes you happy. I think that that is what most people are trying to figure out. Mm. You know, I, I, going back again, like with the whole business thing, it's like, I had a realization, uh, maybe, nine or 10 months of the business that, and this was like right before my wife had her, had our baby. Um, but I was like, damn, do I want what I'm chasing right now? Mm. And uh, I actually, I mean, it was, a, it was eye opening Cause I was like, I don't, I'm like, I do not want to sit here and be traveling every freaking week 
and never be with my family and, 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 and not be a great husband and not be a great dad. And, and it's nothing, you know, again, nothing against anybody that travels all the time or anything. It's not to say you can't be great, but, um, the reason why I quit my job and the reason why I started my own business is so that I, I saw my dad work so incredibly hard my whole entire life. Work ethic, amazing work ethic, work ethic. But I also saw my dad work his ass off his whole life. <laughs> like I didn't see my dad that much. I didn't see my dad as much as I would like to have. And, you know, he's busting his ass and providing for the family, like the ultimate respect. But I wanted to have a business. I wanted to build a business where I could work from home. And, and especially with technologies out these days, like that's where I saw the opportunity. You know, before I was always, I wanted to, to own a gym. And then I was like, no, I don't want to own a gym. I, I want to be online. I want to be able to work remotely. I want to be able to, uh, I mean, do I want to build a great business? Absolutely. But I also don't, I don't need to build a billion dollar business. I, I, I would much rather, you know, like meet my, my wife halfway and, you know, like kind of go at this as, as a team rather than just my own uh, selfish goals and realize that it's, it's, it's both of our goals, whether that she's involved with the business or not. And if I had a billion dollar business and I didn't have my wife and kids sitting there with me, it wouldn't be worth it. Mm. And that was a huge, you know, perspective change for me that, it, you know, again, it's not like I'm not working hard in my business. And all, I mean, I still want, I still have big goals, but those goals don't become, th those goals do not come before my faith, me as a husband and, and me as a father. Mm, love that. And I think that's something you really admired because I think that it's easy to get lost in everything else. So I think that that stands out and shines through too. Um, but I, I want to segue before we got to do more of a, a lightning round. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to, I do want to get your perspective on, on something that has to do with actual nutrition. <laughs> so one of the questions that I had is if you were to give someone just a standard piece of advice for overall nutrition health, whether that's weight loss or maybe one of the typical problems that you see your clients trying to solve, what are the three pieces of, of advice that someone could implement to improve their diet and see better progress through nutrition? I think the first thing I would say would be eat more vegetables and fruits. Uh, shout out to one of my friends, E.C. Sinkowski. She created what's called the 800 gram challenge, which is a challenge to eat 800 grams in weight of vegetables and fruits each day, which is really equivalent to filling up about third of your, a third of your plate to maybe a half of your plate with vegetables and fruits at each major meal. Um, that would be the first thing that I would say is eat more vegetables and fruits. I think that they're, I think what that will do is it will increase your energy levels. I think it'll improve your digestion for most people. Um, I think that um, inherently it's going to improve your food quality because now you're going to have much more volume from these, these vegetables and fruits in your diet, right? And so just from a food quality standpoint in general, like you're going to start to see a shift. If you're filling up half of your plate with vegetables and fruits, you know, or, or a combination of both at each meal, like, well, <laughs> what's that replacing, right? Like, 
Maybe that's replacing things that are, that are higher calorie or that, whatever, right? Um, so that'd be the first thing. I'd say more vegetables and fruits and, and tracking that. So, you know, you don't, sit, you don't have to stay and log your food for the rest of your life or, or, you know, use a food scale for the rest of your life or whatever, but they are great tools. So if you don't know what, um, how many grams a, a banana weighs, like you should probably figure that out. Um, you know, if I can sit here and, and add up and weigh it out 800 grams of vegetables and fruits for the day, then now I've created awareness around what that looks like. Um, but again, simplified a third of the plate to half of the plate. That's, that's actually one of the, you know, everybody is always talking about removing things, right? So I want to talk more about adding things in. Like everybody's like, Oh, don't eat this. Don't eat that. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. And before you know it, people are scared of everything. I love the hashtag no food left behind. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's the relationships that are formed with food and with people's bodies sometimes with certain diets, certain programs, just the society that we live in sometimes can, you know, do some, do some damage to people. And, and I just hate to see that. So uh, more vegetables and fruits. That's, that's 100% number one. Um, I also think that, you know, really just, if, if people are trying to like lose weight or gain muscle or, or really do anything in terms of like changing body composition and they're struggling with doing it, they're comp like, they're, they're like, I just, I just don't know what it is. I can't lose weight. You know, we hear that all the time. Right. Mm. And if they're not, and again, I am not like a diehard, my fitness pal, like you have to do this Nazi by any means. But if you haven't created awareness with food quantity, like if you don't know how many calories that you're consuming, if you don't know how many calories are in, you know, X, Y, Z, if you don't know, you know, like how many grams of protein and fats and carbohydrates. And again, it's not to say you have to do it forever, but you really need to create awareness around that. And it, and it can really be a great tool. So what I would tell people is don't complain about losing, not being able to lose weight. If you're not tracking your food intake, mm. like, you know, again, is that the only way you can lose weight? No, you can lose weight without doing it. I'm not saying that, but I just think that a lot of people out there, they come up to me or that I get on a sales call or I'm on social media and they're like, I just can't lose weight. Or how do I lose this, this body fat or how, you know, and I'm like, are you like, how many calories are you taking? And they're like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, how do you lose weight? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, well, you know, you, you have to eat a calorie deficit to lose weight. Like that's fact. Like it's not an opinion. Like, mm. and they're like, well, what's the calorie deficit? I'm like, oh, I don't know. We got to log your food first. We got to, we got to assess how many calories you're actually taking in, mm. you know? And, and so the awareness around food quantity, that'd be number two. And if I'm just keeping it nutrition, because a lot of the times we'll go into like lifestyle pieces as well. Like sleep is a huge factor, obviously. But if we're just if we're just keeping it nutrition, I think the third piece would 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 just complete the equation. You know, I always I always joke if I took the um, the originators of all these different diets that have come out and put them in one room for ten minutes, they would all argue to each other about who has the best diet, mm -hmm. right? But at the end of the day, there's two things that matter, ultimately, food quality and food quantity. Unfortunately, people always try to battle against it. Which one's more important? It's like, no, 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 that's not, that's not the argument. Like, that's not even a conversation. Like they're both important. Like 
you need to prioritize both of these things in your life long term. Yes, I understand you can get results maybe without one of the other, but uh, you know, both of these things are extremely important. So we, we talked about the food quantity. So now with the food quality, you know, again, that's just looking into where are you sourcing your food from? Like, where do you buy the majority of your groceries? And, and for most people, I don't even think that's the conversation. I think for most people, it's like, are you actually cooking the majority of your food? Because most of them are, are eating out for the majority of their food. So as we can start to control the food that we're actually putting into our body, right? If we can actually start thinking about where we're sourcing our food from, if we can notice the difference between, you know, frozen chicken from Walmart versus some, you know, the highest quality chicken at like Whole Foods, like if you just lay those side to side and like look at them frozen and then cook them, look at them, eat them. Like I'm telling you the difference. I see this with eggs. I hear it time and time and time after so many different clients. They're like, I always thought eggs were eggs. I always thought bacon was bacon. I always thought chicken was chicken. No, just like not all coaches are created equal. There's good ones and bad ones. Same thing with PTs and doctors and everything else. It's the same thing with food. Mm. Not all food is created equal. It might be, you know, pretty, pretty comparable from a food quantity standpoint. Right. But what about the other side of the equation? What about the food quality? Right. So those three things, man, eat more vegetables and fruits. That's what I would tell the majority of people in America. Definitely do not be afraid of fruit. My God, if you're over here <laughs> preaching about fruit being bad, like that's, that's a coach that I would definitely uh, probably get in an argument with. Uh, I think the last of our worries is people eating too much fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, eat more vegetables and fruits and then, you know, make sure that you have built awareness in your life with your own lifestyle around food quantity and food quality. And obviously, you know, those could go into a whole bunch more specific things there, but just like overarching themes. I mean, I I think food quality and food quantity both matter. And I think the first step for the majority of people is do an assessment and see how many vegetables and fruits you're actually eating on a daily, weekly basis. Mm -hmm. You're probably not eating enough. Like look at what, like every time you look down at your plate, did you fill up half your plate with vegetables and fruits? Or a combination of both if not start doing that you know um so yeah those would be the three things i think those are solid three uh i think the sleep part is also important but yeah, I, think, I think it's interesting because it's like everyone knows what's good and what's not for the most part and i think that we try to deceive ourselves it's like yeah your macros do matter so you could have a pop tart, which is the generic bro food that everyone likes to harken back to. I don't know why, because pop tarts aren't that special. Like, you know, I would rather eat like a bowl of frozen yogurt than have a pop tart, but that's just maybe me. Yeah, I like ice cream for sure. I mean, I, I've never been a fan of like pop tarts or cake or like I'm all I'm ice cream all the way. It's always been me. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there's a clear distinction between processed food and food that's something that you prepare. And so it's like, yeah, there's an 80-20 principle about like eating healthy so you can still have balance. But at the same time, it's like, is your food making you feel good? Because if yeah. it's not, then that's a pretty good sign that you should change. You know, and, and building off that point, I, I love when people say the 80-20 because I think it really, really gives people a peace of mind and perspective when it comes to food quantity and food quality. Right. Because think about it. If, if we always say, if you eat, you know, healthy or whatever, 80% of the time, like you can enjoy the other 20% or whatever. Right. Well, let's break that down in terms of like math. 
right? Like let's take a seven day a week and let's just generically say somebody's eating 2,500 calories, right? So it's like, okay, 2,500 calories, seven days, right? Add all that up. I don't have a calculator with me right now and I'm not that good at math, but uh, let's take 20% of that now, okay? And whatever that number is, that means 20% of that number, AKA those are the total calories that technically you can enjoy and not feel bad or, or guilty about. Right. And then the other 80%. So it just gives perspective as to like, Oh my God, like that's kind of a lot of calories in the week. And I'm over here thinking that one donut made me fat, <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, like one, one bad meal never made somebody fat and one healthy meal never, you know, made somebody like shredded and ripped or whatever, you know, like this is, so that perspective and, and, and really kind of uh, looking at it from a quantity or from a, I guess from my analytical people, looking at it from, from a number standpoint helps sometimes. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I like that taking total for the week. I think that's a good perspective. And I think that's really helpful too. So you can definitely I, hack that though, right? I mean, you can be like, all right, cool. I got 2000 calories. This is all going towards. It. So it's like you, anybody can take a diet and like try to do it the best that they possibly can. And then other, other people can take a diet and just completely take it, take advantage of it. You know? Yeah. I had a client who was doing keto before she started working with me and she's like, I just used to eat cheese and bacon all day long. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably like not the best for you, you know? And she was losing weight because she's at a calorie deficit. She was hitting her macros. I was like, yeah, that's not, that's not the goal. <laughs> like that's not, that's not the goal is to just do that. And I think if that, that kind of pulls it into perspective too. Well, and I think, I mean, I think that's where people unfortunately, you know, fall into a trap of trying to place themselves in this cookie cutter of a diet. Mm. You know, it's like, look, you're eating whatever bacon and cheese every day. Yes, that is keto. But let's, let's, let's pretend like keto was nothing. Like nobody had ever heard of keto before. And I said, Hey, I want you to eat bacon and cheese every single, that's the only thing you can eat. Like, would you think, like, would you want to go on that diet? Would you think that diet was healthy for you? Like, no, but because <laughs> it's keto, all of a sudden now it's okay. Uh, right. And it's like, it's like, like, I think that every single diet can work. I just think that every single diet, it's not going to work for, for every single person. You know, I, I think that you can, you can try things out. That's how you're going to learn, right? Take the things that you like, take, take things, enjoy, take things that make you happy, take the things that give you a better quality of life and then ditch the other stuff, Mm. right? And build the diet that works best for you rather than trying to put yourself in this, in this cookie cutter box. I, I think honestly, why I've had the relationship with food that I've had throughout my life is because I have actually never, ever, ever, ever tried to put myself on a specific diet. Like currently right now, would I be dieting? Cause I'm trying to lose body fat. I'm in a calorie deficit. Yeah. But am I following a diet like, like a paleo or keto? Or, no, like I'm doing the Justin Murphy diet. Like I'm doing what works best for me. Like, so I, I think if people could start to remove this, this, um, you know, this want to conform with a, with a community of paleo or keto or whatever. And I love community. Obviously that's a huge, you know, that's a positive thing, but don't feel like you have to join some group or some team or, or whatever, you know, just to fit in, like challenge yourself to build something that actually works best for you. Mm, I love that. That's a great perspective. Um, I want to segue because kind of, 
this has been amazing and I want to be respectful of your time. Um, but I, I want to segue to some quick, you know, I don't want to say short answers, but more questions about you as Justin, just to kind of give people perspective and kind of go through a lightning round. So my first question is what's your definition of joy? My definition of joy is being happy, like truly being happy. And, and, and there's people that have joy at, at, you know, with, with nothing, right. Go to other countries. And there's people that, you know, don't have joy and they have, it looks like they have everything. So joy is to me is like happiness. Like, are you, are you living a joyful life? Like, are, are you happy with the life that you're living? Mm. Love that. What's one book that has altered your life? Dang. This is always such a hard question, right? <laughs> There's so many. Um, man. Mm. You know, I'll, I'll say this book because nobody's probably ever even heard of this book before. Um, I would say a book that truly made a huge impact on my life. And this was a lot when I was coming back from Kansas and going through all of that. Um, it's called point man. And it's a, it's a religious based book. It's super long, but it's all about for me, um, transforming from being a boy to a man. Mm. And I think for, you know, any males that are out there listening, especially, but honestly, young or old, like it'd be, it'd be a great uh, either introduction into manhood or a great reminder uh, of, of what being a man is, um, even for those that are later in life. So Point Man, um, extremely, extremely good book. It's old, super, super old book. Who's the author? Uh, Steve Farrar, I believe. We'll make, sure that, yes. we'll make sure that's in the show notes so people can grab it. Yeah, I'll, I'll double check on, on that. I, 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 it's, it has been a while since I've read it, but I, I'm pretty sure it's Steve Farrar. So I'll, I'll double check on that. What is your superpower and your kryptonite? <laughs> um, honestly, I would say my superpower is my ability to empathize with people, to be empathetic. And, and not just in my own little world, but in a, like a lot of different worlds, a lot of different communities, like a lot of different types of people. Um, so, so empathy for sure. And my kryptonite would be, I think my, my kryptonite would be, and, and I, it's something that I know that I'm always gonna have to deal with and it's always going to be a struggle, but I hope to get better and better at it as I go out throughout life. But it's, uh, it's, it's the comparison game, man. Like it's, it's comparing myself to other people. Um, because I, I just, I'm, I'm really, really, really like hungry and driven and I've always been that way. I mean, I even think back to me like playing baseball when I was like in high school and nothing was ever good enough. Like my, my, it was so bad to the point that my coaches would be like, Justin, like quit being so hard on yourself. Like you're like, you're great. Like, they're, like, we're not even telling you to make these changes. Like you're good. You know? And so I, I think for me, I always compare myself to not just other people, but just, just even from a time perspective, like, 
you know, you see people are like 30 under 30, you know, and like, and I know that's like crazy and like not a lot of people are reaching that, but comparing yourself to other people is literally the thing that sucks the life out of you. It stills so much of your energy. And, um, you know, I, I think that you just have to be very, very self-aware around the environment that you're in and, and how your environment is affecting you, whether that's social media or whether that's, you know, a, a job in the workplace or, or whatever it may be. But, um, you know, my identity got pulled away from me a really long time ago when I was, you know, that 16 to 18 years old. And no matter what happens in my life going forward, I don't want to lose my identity again. I, I don't want to become, um, you know, how Gary Vee always says, a character of himself. I, I don't want that to happen. So, mm. well, it's the comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. I don't know who to attribute that quote to uh, throughout the course of history, but I think that that's a shining example for anyone, especially when you're when you are driven or you you are motivated to want more. And I think the best thing that combats that is, is gratitude, right? So as soon as I find myself comparing myself to other people, I immediately try like write it down on paper. Like, what am I grateful for? And, you know, to be honest, when I first started doing that, it, I was like, this doesn't really do anything for me. Mm. But after 90 days of doing it, 120 days of doing it, like then I actually started to see value in it. And that's like a lot of things in life, you know, like, you're not gonna just like be 100% all in, bought in the very first day. Like it takes time. Like people are like, fake it till you make it. And I don't really like that phrase, but like in a sense, kinda, you know, sometimes you have to actually like lie to yourself until you believe it, you know, mm -hmm. or you have to like tell yourself something until you believe it. Like, I mean, every single time I have a goal or, or I'm working with clients and they have a goal, it's like, okay, cool. But like write that down on a post-it note and stick it everywhere in your freaking house. Like stick it in your office, your car, like, be reminded of it every single time because those notes are going to be the things that help you overcome your struggles. When you go on to go do this or you want to go do that or you, you know, whatever, right? Because it's like a, a, a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. Like there's this demon talking to you all the time. At least that's how I feel. And it's, and you're always combating it. So equip yourself with the tools, right? The environment that you need to be successful because the world's tough, you know, this is, it's, it's hard. And it's, especially when you want things that most people don't have, it's going to make it even that much harder. Mm, absolutely. What advice would you give yourself 20 years from now? <laughs> I think my 20 year, 20 year from now self would probably tell me to shut up if I try to give him advice, but <laughs> uh, 20 year, if I was to give myself advice, my 20 year from now, um, you know, actually this would be what it, it would be. I would say, I, I wouldn't be advised. It'd be three questions. I'd say, how are you in your faith? How are you as a husband? How are you as a father? That's what I would ask. Love that. That's awesome. And last two. So this one's a new one. Uh, I, I don't know how I'm going to ask it. I'm fully open to it being a bomb and a fail, but if you could assimilate three characteristics from people you admire, what characteristics would they be and from whom would you take them? Mm, man, that's good. Uh, 
And if three is too much, then feel free to just go with one. So I, I would say, I, I definitely think Gary Vaynerchuk would be in this mix in some, some way, some capacity. Um, I, I, th I think it would be just his, uh, like his ability. And, and, and I mean, again, this is from afar, right? Like I'm not on the inside, but his ability, what it seems like to just not really let things affect him. I mean, I feel like that dude has, and again, who knows, right? We, nobody, I don't know the inside of his brain and mind, but like, it seems like he, he just, you know, whether the best thing in the world happens to him or the worst thing in the happen, world happens, like, it's like he, he lives in this middle. And so I don't know if that's a, I don't know what the word maybe it would be called, but, or, or, or how I would define that in terms of a characteristic, but whatever that is that I really admire that mm. because I think that is what allows him to be as successful as he is. It's it's so easy. I mean, can you imagine having that type of fame, like talking all the time, speaking all the time? Like, can you imagine like how many negative things are said towards him? Like, can you imagine how many times people are like, you're a fraud, you know, and all that? I mean, I, it's like the bigger you get, the more problems you have. Like, I mean, I feel like he does a really good job out of everyone I see in terms of just not letting that affect him. Mm. Um, I, I, so number two would be, <laughs> actually, I, maybe my wife's dad on this one, I just thought of this, um, his just like patience mm. with just everything. Like, he has phenomenal patience. I'll just say that. Um, so, you know, I, I think I've gotten a lot better at that over the years, but that's been something that I've always struggled with. Um, just almost like, almost just like giving, like never ever having expectations for other people is, mm -hmm. is kind of what it is, you know? And, and I think that he is, he just has a lot of patience with people and he's able to, um, it's almost like somebody could come to him and they're just like screaming their face off at him. And he like just remains calm. And within five minutes, they're like smiling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's that ability to just change. Um, and then the third one would be, Uh, I mean, I guess since I'm going down this like family route here, I, I'd probably maybe say my wife, I would say, well, wait, were these supposed to be famous people? People you admire. Oh, anybody. Okay. Yeah, anyone. Um, so I'd say, I would say Alex, my wife for, um, like I, I am super like introverted. I've always been that way. I've definitely like got out of my shell more like over the years, but that girl could go talk to a wall <laughs> and have an hour long conversation with it. Like, and so just her ability to like be very social and like, even with people that she's never met before. And like, just, they, they are like so attracted to her and they like, just love her like instantly. Like she has this instant gratitude, like instant connection with like everybody. Mm. And I, I just think it's really, really cool. I mean, I, it's something I've really like learned a lot from just over the past you know, basically nine, 10 years of us dating and, and being married and whatnot. Um, so yeah, man, those would be my three. I'm sure I could probably pick out more people, you know, Tim Ferriss and all these different guys like that, maybe some, some, some athletes and things, but 
that's a tough question. I, I think I would, I think I would have to do my homework a little bit more, but we'll go with those answers for now. <laughs> those are great answers. And I think that it'll be uh, fascinating when um, our, our significant others meet because sounds like they're very similar. My last question is what's your one rule for life? Mm. My one rule for life. You know, I, I think if I had to put a rule down, it would be like my long-term happiness comes first, like 100%. And so that means like I can suffer in the short term, like I can go through challenges, like I can, I can, it, I don't need it to be perfect all the time, but like ultimately like I'm seeking happiness over everything else. And I know that, I mean, again, it's like, I'm not going to be truly happy if I'm not right with my own self. Mm. And that's the thing, man. I, you know, I think so many of us, it, we don't spend enough time with ourselves. We don't spend enough time with our own thoughts. We don't spend enough time getting better and doing personal development and all of these different things. And like, like what's the one thing that's changed my life the most over the last 10 years that doing personal development, mm -hmm. 100% because I was so fucked up. Like for whatever reason, I, it wasn't my family's fault. It wasn't any, like my, I grew up and had a great upbringing. I just got caught up in the wrong crowd, the wrong friends, the fast life, like all that stuff, you know? Mm. So being, being, choosing, choosing to be happy over everything. And, and I'm not by any means taking that to like the extreme of like, Oh, I'm going to go live in Hawaii on an Island. And like, I don't need money. And like, I'm not like that at all. Like I'm very, very realistic at the same time, but you know, like impact over income, like however you want to look at it. Like, I just think that happiness and, and helping people and living my life to serve others. That's, that's ultimate. like, as long as I live the rest of my life and fulfill the promise that I made 10 years ago, which hopefully that will turn into like a, you know, I don't know, an 80 year promise. Right. Um, but helping people makes me happy. So I, whether it's nutrition coaching, whether it's, whatever I do throughout my life, as long as I'm helping other people, I'm going to be happy. And that's my rule. Like keep helping people help as many people in this world as you possibly can. Like Love that. that will make you happy. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a fantastic rule. And where can people find you, Justin? Where can people find out more about you? Where can they find your coaching? What are some of the spots that they should look at? Yeah. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram these days. Um, so that is, you can just search coach Justin Murphy. Um, our website, uh, if you want to look on there is I coach nutrition. So, uh, not E Y E it'll just be like I coach like an iPhone. Um, so I coach nutrition.com. I also have a podcast. It's called the identity project. Um, and then Facebook, if you just search Justin Murphy, but yeah, mainly Instagram and the website and then the podcast. I love it. I love it. And I'll make sure that those are all on the show notes as well, but thank you so much, Justin. This has been amazing. Um, I love hearing your perspective on identity change. And I think that there's so much here to offer people that just shines through your authenticity. And I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing it today. Absolutely, Brian. I really appreciate it, man. It's been fun. It's been, 
it, it's always fun going on other people's podcasts, especially when you're so used to like always being the person that's like doing the podcast, you know? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So it's been, uh, it's been, it's been my pleasure, man. This has been good. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, people that listen to this, like, you know, I'm again, I don't sit here and like tell all these like bad stories because I'm like proud of it by any means. But I do know that me being transparent helps because, you know, if you look at my Instagram or anybody else's Instagram, sometimes it can be, uh, you know, just like this highlight reel. And I want people to know that it's not a highlight reel. Like you, I've been through tons of adversity in my life and tons of struggles. And if you're going through something right now, like it's okay. Like you're a human being. Like, congratulations, you got dealt that card, you know, but also have perspective in the fact that you have the ability to change your life at any minute. Like, I'm nobody. Like, who the fuck am I? I was able to do it. Like, you can do it. It's going to be super hard and you're going to want to quit a million times and you're going to have so many distractions and, you know, so many struggles and so many, so many different things that you're going to have to overcome. But, um, yeah, I, I just hope that hopefully this inspires, you know, one person out there to, uh, you know, take action and take control of their life because that's, that's ultimately what's going to make them happy. Mm, absolutely. And on that note, I want to remind you all that the journey starts with you. See you guys. Thank you for tuning in today to my journey. I hope this episode brought some value and light into your life. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and shout us out on your Instagram story so we can share this message with as many people as possible. And if you're ready to start your own journey, reach out to me at brianpickwist.com forward slash start. And until next time, thank you again. And remember, the journey starts with you. I'll see you guys.